Hi, this is Jessica McCoy with Calvary Christian Center. Thank you so much for listening. We pray that this message encourages and inspires you to be everything God has created you to be. We hope you enjoyed this message. To make a deposit today. Anybody hungry? Come on. I've been uh, in this series called Calvary to the Core. And last week I talked about experiencing the Spirit. And I'm telling you, we have lived that this service. Can you give John and our team a God bless you? That was so awesome. I really feel like I have a download today. At Calvary, we experience the Spirit, embrace the loss, and live the life. That's, that's our mission statement. And one of the main thing that's, that things that has built this church and is building this church is love. And that's what I want to talk about today. I'm going to tell you, when the, when, when the church unites together, hell gets torn apart. Hallelujah. So we're looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and I'm going to begin reading at verse 4. You by live stream, thank you for being with me. It says, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Love is not puffed up. Love does not behave rudely. <laughs> Somebody on your row needs to hear that. Look down your row and see if you can figure out who it is. Yes, it is them. It's absolutely them. Come on. Love does not behave rudely. Love does not seek its own. It's not provoked and it thinks no evil. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures almost. No, it doesn't say almost. No, all things. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. But love never fails. I want to teach for just a few minutes the house that love builds. How many of you want to be a part of a church that love is building? Come on. Slip up your hands, Father. Release anointing, revelation, power. God, feed us your word. We desire it, we want it in Jesus' name. Somebody give the Lord a great big praise if you love him, hallelujah. All right, you can be seated. I feel like teaching a little bit today. Gonna do some teaching and preaching. I've told you before, teaching is telling it and preaching is yelling it, come on. So I'm gonna do a little bit of preaching today. How many of you wanna have a good meal in the Lord right now? Here in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul pins these words, and when he is pinning these words, the book of Corinthians, precious, is actually a corrective book. It's a letter that Paul wrote to a church that was struggling, and he was correcting their issues. They, they were a church that was divided. They were a church that was filled with all kinds of issues and problems, and so Paul pins these words and sends this letter to them, and, and during the time that he sent this, this letter to them, this church was in a horrific famine. The church in Corinth was struggling. And it wasn't a famine for food. They had plenty to eat. It wasn't a famine for finances. They had money in the church. They even had, it seems to be, facilities. It wasn't a famine like we would think of a natural famine. But it was a famine of love. And without love, this church was about to be torn asunder. And I want to tell you today, in this nation that we're living in, nothing will hold people together as we'll love. Nothing will defeat the plan of the devil as we'll love. 
And the greatest weapon that Calvary Christian Center has to offer is not Bible-thumping theology. It's not just denominationalism, because I'm going to tell you this. The world is sick of religion. Denominationalism has never saved anybody. It's not man-made ideas or man-made methods. If it's man-made, how can it bring God change? What the world needs to see is a church that is overwhelmed and overcome by love. And I'm going to tell you today that Calvary is going to be a place where we walk in, flow in, and are consumed by the love of God. Now, listen, I just want to ask you, are you grateful today for the love of God? Oh, come on now. If you know beyond any shadow of a doubt that you wouldn't be here today without the love of God, make a little noise if you're grateful for the love of God. Now, there, there, there are four types of love in the Bible, in the Greek, in the New Testament. Number one, there's eros love. Now, now eros love, it, it, it's a love that, that is a physical love. It's a fleshly love. It's the love that we most often see uh, displayed in our, uh, uh, in our world today. It's, it's all about sexuality. But the truth is, the word eros is never used one time in the New Testament Bible from the Greek. Never even used one time, but yet it's all-consuming in our society. And then there's filio love. Filio love means brotherly love. And then there's a love called storage love. And storage love is the love between a parent and a child. But there is a love that trumps all three of these. And this is called agape love. Agape love is, is it's the word agape that Paul uses here in 1 Corinthians 13. Agape love is a selfless love. It's a sacrificial love. It's a love that, that, that loves not only the unworthy, but also the undeserving. Agape love loves you when you ain't got it going on. Agape love loves you when you're struggling. Agape love loves you when you're not being all that you should be. And the reality of it all is this. Not one of us would be here today without the agape love of Jesus that has been faithfully at work in our lives. See, if there's one thing that paralyzes the principalities, if there's one thing that devastates devils, it's agape love. It's when a church knows how to love people right. This is the love talked about in 1 Corinthians 13. And the truth is, y'all, I can't cover it all, so I'm going to cover what I can. And if you're ready, shout, I'm ready. See, number one, I want to show you this. Paul said love suffers long. Now, now, suffers long, it means this from the Greek. It means it doesn't lose heart. It means it's patient with people. Now, we've all heard the saying, Lord, send me patience and hurry come on somebody we want him to do it right then and there but this is real powerful to me because this original text implies that this is the kind of love this agape love it, it's patient with people it suffers a long 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 you sit there with your trifling self but the truth is you wouldn't be here if God wasn't long suffering with you. You sit out there and be cute, but the reality is you wouldn't be here today if he hadn't have been long, come on, long suffering with you. It's like the choir director wanting you to hold the note. He was long 
hope. Come on. I dare you to give God praise if he was long suffering with you. See, it literally means to suffer a long, long, long time. But not only does it mean precious to suffer a long, long, long time, it means to suffer a long time and have a good attitude about it. It's one thing to suffer a while and be mean, but it's another thing to suffer a while and be nice. Have you ever known folk that they were suffering, but they were so nasty and drama-filled while they were suffering that you could not even feel sorry for them? I mean, they were going through it, but they went through it with such an ugly, nasty, snotty attitude that you could not even feel compassion for them because they were being so rude and they were getting on your last nerve the way that they were going through it. Have you ever known people that were suffering and they were trying to act like it wasn't bothering them and they would say, you know, you, you, I'm suffering with you, but you will never know it. I will never tell you. You telling me right now. You will never see it. I'm not. You won't see it on my face. You won't see it on my attitude. I'm suffering right now, but you won't never know. No, 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 no. That's not being long suffering. That is being a drama queen. Come on, somebody. And how many of you know there's a few drama kings in the house? Can I get a witness? Listen, a drama queen is bad, but a drama king takes it to a whole nother level. But here's the truth. This kind of love suffers long. And it suffers without resentment, precious. It suffers without anger. It suffers without seeking revenge. The Bible said in Colossians 1.11, strengthen with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long suffering and joyfulness. Joyfulness is a word that means, it means this, it means calm delight, knowing that it cannot last forever. I stopped by to tell somebody that it's a season, it's not a sentence. Some of you have been through some things and the devil has told you that it's going to last forever. But I feel a shift in the atmosphere. I feel like God is about to move a mountain for somebody. God is about to move a situation for somebody. God is about to save somebody's children. He's about to turn somebody's drama into a breakthrough. And what you have to do is go through this season with calm delight that even though I don't understand it, God, you are on my side. I know that you love me and you will work it out somebody give god praise if you believe that god will work it out see here's the reality you haven't really loved somebody and been nice to them until you've loved them in spite of themselves sometimes you gotta love folk in spite of themselves and I am determined that Calvary will continue to be the house that love is building. And the house that love is building is long suffering. The house that love building is that love is building is long suffering, especially towards the lost. That means, y'all, that when the lost come through our doors in this house, we we are long suffering with them. That means if people come in and there's not an immediate transformation, that we don't get haughty, we don't get stuck up, we don't look down our nose at them, but we say, God, if you worked it out in me, you can work it out in them. We love them right where they are, just as they are. I've come to tell you at Calvary, you don't have to perform to be loved. At Calvary, you don't have to be something special to be loved. We prayed that you would come. I don't care what you're dealing with. I don't care if it's addiction. I don't care if it's depression. I don't care if you're struggling today. I am releasing a word that can strangle your struggle. There is still power in the blood. There is still power in the name of Jesus. And baby, we will love you right through the process. 
Go ahead and act like when you got saved, you got it going on. Or go ahead and be real if you want to and say, in spite of the fact that I gave my heart to Jesus, there were still seasons that I struggled, but God was good to me in the process. Make a little noise if you're thankful that God is good in the process. Anybody glad today before I move on that God was long suffering with you? Give him praise if you're glad that he was long suffering with you. At Calvary, we embrace the lost. That means if you're struggling today, we love you. I've heard people say, you know, I want to get cleaned up before I go to that church. I don't want people to feel like they have to get cleaned up to come to Calvary. How many of you know you don't stand outside the shower? Or maybe you do, but if you do, you're weird. And get your washcloth and bathe off before you get in the shower. How many of you don't do that? Okay, the rest of you that didn't raise your hand, I'm looking at you funny right now. How many of you wait till you get in the shower? When you get in the shower, you get under it and you bathe off. Let me tell you, welcome to the shower. You don't have to bathe off before you come. You don't have to get okay before you get in. Just get in, hallelujah. And the presence of the Lord will take care of it all. Number one, love suffers long. Number two, love doesn't envy. Now this is going to get really real because envy in this text means it does not have feeling against others for what they have in the way of gifts, in the way of success, in the way of blessings or abilities. Love does not begrudge or attack somebody or downplay their abilities and their successes. See, in this house that love builds, we share in the joy and we rejoice in the success and the good of others. See, see we've got to learn to rejoice when others breakthrough because here's a true statement I've said it before and it's a strong statement and I felt led to say it again God will never do for you what you privately or publicly resent him doing for others Oh, come on. He'll never do for you what you're down on him doing for somebody else until you can learn to thank God for his provision in someone else's life. Even if you feel like they don't deserve it, even if you feel like you deserve it more, you will never walk in the fullness of your blessing. You've got to learn to rejoice with people who are breaking through, knowing that if God made a way for them, he'll make a way for you. If God did it for them, he can do it for you. Some of you sit there and you say, man, I want a man. I've been wanting a man forever and the hoochie across the aisle has been married four times. Come on, somebody. Y'all ain't saying nothing. There are times when you want to see God move for you and you see him moving all around you. But here's the truth. Proximity is important. See, I want to get around people who are seeing God move in their life. I want to get around people who are seeing breakthroughs. I want to get around. If you're having a breakthrough, I want to get close to you. Because that tells me if God is doing it for you, I just might be next. See, I didn't do this in first service, but I sense in my spirit that there is a big old next right over somebody's head right now. And the only thing that's holding you back is you learning to rejoice with people that have already broken through. So I dare you right now, instead of just rejoicing over your blessing, take 30 seconds and rejoice over what God is doing for folks all around you. Oh, we can't be cute about it. Look at your neighbor and say, this one's for you. Yeah, yeah, mother, this one's for you. Brother, this one's for you. I believe God is moving it in your life, and he's, if he's doing it for you, he can do it for me too. <laughs> See, there are some in this room, some watching by live stream, and right this very moment, you're on the verge of entering into a new season of blessing. If you'll only rejoice, 
in the blessing of someone else. So, so here we are. Number three, love does not behave rudely. Now I know this point was only for the people in first service. Come on, this, was, this is only for Palm Coast. Ain't no rude people here. Look down your aisle and see if you can figure out who, who's rude. Who is it? Who is it? I've said it before. You think it's them. They just know for sure it's you. Come on, somebody. Love does not behave rudely. Behave itself rudely is one Greek word. It means unbecomingly, rudely, indecently, unmannerly, disgracefully, ineloquently. See, what it really means here is that love brings no shame on itself and no shame on someone else. Have you ever known people, it seemed like they got great joy in shaming others? Like the only way they could feel good about themselves was to bring shame on someone else. And I want you to understand something. What it really means here is that this kind of love brings no shame on anyone. It doesn't bring shame on anyone. It doesn't bring shame on itself. See, love is orderly, y'all. I'm talking about agape love. Love is controlled. In other words, love behaves itself. I've been preaching a long time to a lot of people, and there have been times in these 35 years or so that I've been preaching that I felt like saying, behave yourself. Come on, somebody. Have you ever looked at how, I'm not talking about sinner folk. I'm talking about church folk. Have you ever seen how church folk act and you feel like saying just behave yourself? See, one of the greatest enemies to real revival is rude, offended, haughty believers, always upset, always uptight, always agitated, always aggravated. Listen, if you're going to be rude, if you're going to go to McDonald's because they, they shorted you one French fry and you're going to walk into McDonald's and show yourself, don't you tell them you're from Calvary. Tell them you're from Riverbend. Tell them you're from Hope Fellowship. Don't you mention my name. Don't you even point at this church. Come on, somebody. Come on. How many of you know God has been kind to you? You ought to be kind to everybody around you. Make a little noise if you believe believers ought to be kind. Hallelujah. To really nail down what Paul was saying here, remember he's writing a letter to a Corinthian church that is in trouble to a rude church, to a haughty church, to, to a church that was picking teams and picking sides and was divided. And you got to comprehend the atmosphere of that house in Paul's day. They were a church with an I'm better than you mentality. And let me tell you something, baby. Nobody is better than anybody at Calvary. Come on, I don't care if you came in a Bentley or you came on the bus. We are all sinners saved by grace. None of us are better than anybody else. We are all the same. We've all been redeemed by Jesus Christ. We've all been resurrected out of our sin. We've all been turned around. Let me tell you something. If you can't turn up after being turned around, I don't know what in the world is wrong with you. But when you think about how good God has been to you, there ought to be a praise that will rise up inside of you. You can't judge nobody. Come on. This church had an I'm better than you are mentality. My gift is greater than you. They were trying to out-prophesy each other. Come on now. They were trying to outdo each other. And that mentality had swept that church. 
And I'm telling you, in that church, people were so busy promoting themselves and their own agenda that they were disrespecting and dishonoring each other. And they were wounding the heart of God. And Paul said to him, them here, he said, you say you love each other, but look at how you're treating each other. There's no love in you. And I want Calvary to be a place where we love one another, where we treat each other kindly and graciously. Uh, let me tell you something. They were having love feasts in those days. And in those days, they would invite each uh, they would invite certain families but leave others out they would invite those who were struggling in sin they would leave them out they would leave the poor families out and the Lord was displeased with this and and Paul was trying to correct them but I want to tell you something we can't do that at Calvary at Calvary we can't prefer people because they're rich or poor because one's been saved longer than another no let me tell you baby we got to have a church where the least the last and the lost can come in this place and they feel just as loved as anybody else. I'm telling you, I don't care what your issue is. I don't care what your addiction is. I don't care what your sexual orientation is. I don't care if you're bound by homosexuality. I don't care if you've been shacking up. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. I don't care if you're religious. I don't care if you're demon possessed. Let me tell you, there is a name that is high above every name. It'll straighten your walk out. It'll straighten you out sexually. It'll straighten you out privately. It'll straighten you out publicly. And you are loved no matter what your condition is. Somebody give God a praise if that's what you've got to be a part of. Tell your neighbor, I've got to be a part of that. I've got to be a part of that. See, Calvary is going to be a love-filled house where all are loved and respected. The lost are welcome and Christ is exalted and the word is honored because love, agape love, does not behave itself rudely. But here's another. Paul said, love is not easily provoked. Now here you go, provoked, easily provoked. It means not easy to draw a sharp word from. <laughs> Do you know somebody that is just waiting for the opportunity to tell you all about it? I told him you should have shut up in the name of Jesus. Come on, y'all, I'm a little bit old and I'm a little bit tired, so I may say too much. Not easy to draw a sharp word from. Not easy to anger. Literally, love is not touchy. Do you know anybody that's touchy? I don't mean touchy-feely like Pastor Don is with me. Come on, somebody. She can't keep her hands off of me. Y'all pray for her. No, I'm just kidding. Don't you look at me like that, woman. Don't make me come down there in front of everybody. I'm tough on the stage, but I'll be meek in the ready room. How you know? I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Have you ever known anybody that's touchy? Have you known people that, 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 are they close to you? Are they sitting by you now? Don't point at them. I struggle being around touchy people. Uh, the, the truth is you can't say nothing around them. See, the house that love builds is not controlled by touchy people. Touchy people are always on the verge of going off. They're always looking for the opportunity to tell you about it. You, 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 you have to think before you say anything to them. Have you ever hung out with people that you were afraid to say anything? Because you did not know what would set them off, so you sit there and you're tight in your hiney. Come on, somebody. 
You ever had your honey be tight? You're just sitting there saying, what should I say? Should I say that? Should I say you look good today? Or Because they'll say, if I say you look good today, so you didn't think I looked good last week? Come on, so you didn't think I, you didn't think I, you didn't like my hair last week? You didn't say nothing about it last week. I got my hair done last week. You ain't even talk about last week. You know, it's the husband that says, baby, these green beans are good. Can't nobody pop a top on a can like you and put green beans. Thank you for these green beans. So you like my green beans, but you don't like my pork chops. I've been slaving over these pork chops. I actually marinated these pork chops, and you don't like my pork chops. Nothing I ever do for you is enough. Nothing I ever cook for you is enough. I'm never cooking again. Sister, you're touchy. Calm down. He liked the green beans. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. That is a touchy person. And, and the problem with Corinth is they were filled with touchy people. And we will never build the church, y'all, that God has called us to build if we are filled with touchy people. Touchy neighbor and say, don't be so touchy. Come on, tell somebody behind you, don't be so touchy. Touchy people, that they're a loose cannon. And a loose cannon is in their mouth. And when they open it, everybody starts ducking. Come on. There's some people, you know them, they're at family reunion. You sit with it, you're like, oh, God, how did I get at this table? And you ducking the whole time. See, my sweet dad, nobody loved like my dad. I'm telling you, he was precious to me. We called him Pastor Paul Paul when he was here in the last years of his life. But my dad said something very profound I've never forgotten. He said, let the words you say be nice and sweet because the words you say are the words you eat. Come on, somebody. Have you ever eaten some words that you wish you wouldn't have said? Sometimes it's best to just be quiet. See, it's better to be thought of as an idiot and to remain quiet than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. Have you ever sat with somebody at the table and you wondered, is this dude an idiot? And then he opens his mouth and you said, idiot for sure. Come on, somebody. Next, am I helping anybody? We're just getting real today. Next, love bears all things. Bears all things here from the Greek, and I always try to give you a real picture of really what the writer is trying to say. It means to put up with. It means to cover like, like you build a, a roof over a building. And the truth is, real love will cover people who are struggling. Not try to expose them, not try to hurt them, but try to cover them. The real truth is, you haven't loved someone until you've had to bear with them until you've had to put up with them. The truth is there will be seasons when God will give you assignments in your life and these people are people that you will have to bear with. And you will have to bear with them because the Lord is teaching you what you need to know. See, see, it's a piece of cake to love somebody who's doing everything you want them to do. They act just like you, they look just like you, their philosophy is just like you, they think just like you. Everything about them is just like you like. But where is the grace in loving somebody like that? But when you love somebody who philosophically is different than you, who thinks about our nation differently than you, who thinks about the world differently than you, who acts differently than you, who behaves differently than you, then you are being like Jesus. Because the truth is, Jesus loves us when we are diametrically opposed to him. Because the Bible said, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't die for us because we were doing everything right. He died for us because he loved us. And the truth is, there are people right now in your life that you are bearing with. You are, you, it ain't 
ain't easy to love them. They're getting on your nerves. But in this process, God is teaching you how to be more like Jesus. So when you get to the end of it, they'll be transformed, but you'll be a better person. Give God a shout if you're in it for the process. I don't like the process, but I like the transformation. I don't like going through what I'm going through, but I like what it does to me because in the end, I wind up being more like Jesus. The devil wants to make you think that this is limiting you and this is frustrating you, but what it's doing is opening up a new door for you to walk in a new dimension of who God has called you to be. Make a little noise if you're tracking with me, precious. When you love folk like that, there's a kindness and a graciousness, even on social media, even privately, even publicly. There's a way about you that there is a goodness about you. I remember, now I started off, I got saved at 20. And my dad made me start preaching at 20, come on. So I, was at, I went to Southeastern College University I swear I chased Dawn until she caught me. Come on, y'all. And, and I had every job in the church. Dad made sure I did it all. I, was, I did kids ministry. I did youth ministry. Uh, I healed the sick, raised the dead, discharged the dead, or set the captive free, cleaned the commode, cut the grass. Come on, I did it all. I did everything but women's ministry. But I could have done that. Come on, y'all. I did everything but that. And I remember I was a worship leader and I learned to play the keyboard. You didn't know that, Bill. I, I learned to play the keyboard a little bit and I, I was real good at G, G minor, C, F. I, really, G, G, F, and C were my best chords. And I would sit over there and I would play the keyboard and play like, look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. He touched my mind. He saved me. It was just in time. I'm going to, and boy, I would be leading. Now, I got a feeling everything's going to be all right. I look around, people are praising the Lord but there was one man, he sat right, right over there, right over there. And he would look at me like he was baptized in pickle juice. And I, whether or not I had a good Sunday was based on whether or not he went in or he praised the Lord. And most Sundays he was mad. I don't know if he had a medical issue. I don't know what was going on. I don't know if he needed, I almost said preparation H, but I'm saying too much. I don't know what he needed. <laughs> Come on somebody, but I, I, he looked mad all the time. And I remember it just weighed me down. It just wore me down. But you know what? The Lord assigned him in my life. Even though, even though I didn't like it, there came a point where he finally began to love me. You remember? He loved my preaching. He started loving my worship leading, but it took a long, long, long time. And I bore with him, but I'm telling you now, I can look at folk not worship the Lord in church and not respond to my message, and I just look somewhere else. Come on. Because I know. Some of y'all are tripping. See, I get an ugly letter every now and again. Somebody sent me an ugly letter a couple weeks ago that called me everything but who I am because I know that I hadn't been who I am for 35 years to turn around and be who that person was calling me in that letter. So, I, And the truth is they didn't sign the letter, so it don't bother me. Once they don't sign it, you, I don't can't really hear what you're saying if, you ain't, if you're going to tell me off and then not tell me who you are. 
But the truth is, I just put that letter in file 13. Can I get a witness in the house? Because here's the reality. I love everybody. I don't care. I don't care what your race is. I don't care where you're from. I don't care what your demographic is. Because the reality of it all is this. And for every one that I might upset, I got a couple thousand who think I'm doing an all right job. And so you have to get to a point in your life where you don't give one person the power to detour or detract what God has called you to do. You know, tell your neighbor, I know who I am. I know who God called me to be. I know that the Lord is on my side. I know that no weapon formed against me shall be able to prosper. I know that I am a child of God. I know that I am. So if I got to bear with you to be with you, then that's okay. Somebody give God a praise if you're tracking with me. Now we're talking about others. But now look at your neighbor and say, hey neighbor, you got to bear with me to be with me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cause I'm real good at finding your issues. It's quiet in here, but I've got issues myself. I dare you to give God praise if you're glad the Lord has bared with you through the years. Come on, give him a good praise. Give him a good praise. Okay, will you go into a little deep water with me? Are you ready? Love hopes all things. Let's go a little bit deep. Get a hold of the totality of this statement. Love hopes in all things, all things. What makes this statement so prolific to me is that Paul said all things, not just some things, but all things in every situation, in every circumstance, underneath every attack. The, see, agape love, the love of God brings hope that even though I don't understand this season, I'm going to hope that God, you're going to bring it out even though Pastor Josh, it may take eight years. I'm going to hope, God, that you're going to work it out. See, this is unbelievable and indescribable. This agape love always expects that eventually good will gain the victory, that eventually God will work it out. See, the devil tried to hold some of you from this service today. He tried to keep you out of this room because he didn't want you to hear me say that God is good and God is going to work it out in your life and that everything he promised you shall come into fruition. No matter how tragic it seems right now, no matter how far away it seems right now, agape hope hopes in all situations and circumstance. I've come to tell you that God doesn't make a promise and not keep it. Find a little hope because the saddest people on earth are those who live without hope. Is there anything that you're hoping for? See, if you want to put the devil to, to, to the test, hope in the face of hopelessness. See, the devil wants to rob you of your hope because he knows if he has your hope, he's got you. Corinth was filled with hope vampires. Can I talk to you? Hope vampires sitting in the church who were continually making it their mission to rob the hope of those who were coming through the doors. You better hear me today. Beware of those who would drain your hope. Beware of hanging out with people who will drain your hope. These people will tell you to give up on your breakthrough, give up on your destiny, give up on your children, give up on your victory, give up on the salvation of those precious to you. And some of you in this room right this very moment, you have folks who are stuck to you like leeches and they are sucking the hope out of your life. They're making you feel like your purpose will never be realized. 
lives and you say why why do they do this why are there people in our lives that seem to want to rob us of hope are you ready for this I'm gonna show you their modus operandi number one when they drain you of your hope it makes them feel superior see there's people in your life they don't want you to have hope because they're leeches they're hope vampires and then they want to they're tremendously egotistical they don't want you to have any hope because they can't stand to see you rise because somewhere you're uh, you're rising and your blessing makes them feel like they are less than it's the husband who constantly belittles the wife and cuts her down and says you're not pretty enough or you're not smart enough or you'll never you're not anything special I'm the only man that would have you it's that parent that dogs out the child and says you're worthless and you'll never amount to anything and you're sorry it's that wife that wounds her husband and says you're not a good provider you call yourself a man you ain't a man look at so-and-so's husband see this is going to blow your mind it may freak you out but you got to hear what I'm saying it'll bring you liberty because ultimately people who want to rob you of your hope what they want is control over your life because they know if they can rob you of your hope they will control your life and you got to shake that spirit off and say God is on my side agape love flows in my life and whatever God has for me is for me make a little noise if you hear me there are some people the more the more hopeless folks feel around them the more in control they feel stop being controlled secondly when they drain you of your hope they have company in their despair see there's some people that don't want to suffer alone so they'll take you to the cracker barrel and they want you to suffer with them. They drain you of their hope just, just so when they look at themselves, they don't have to feel so bad. It's the spirit that says, I know what you're going through. I face the same thing and it's only going to get worse. Let me tell you something. I can't hang out with people that are going to continually and constantly tell me that it's only going to get worse. I can't hang out with people that want to suck the joy out of my life. They don't want you happy because they've never been happy. They don't want you married because they're not married. They don't want you to succeed because they're not succeeding. They don't want you to know victory because they don't know victory. But I've come to tell you today that you need to break that cycle of hopelessness off of your life and say, baby, I can't take it anymore more you may just have to tell them stay in the pit if you want to stay defeated if you want to stay jacked up if you want to stay in doubt if you want to write your family off if you want to act like the Lord ain't on your side if you want to but I'm gonna reach down because I am loved by God and I'm gonna believe that the Lord is gonna work everything out on my behalf one two three give God a shout if that's you Don't stay down for anybody. There are some people who will require you. Look at me, sister. Look at me, brother. Who will, who will require you to be less so they can feel like more. That's not agape love. That's manipulation. Love endures all things. Endures is a military word, meaning to stand against the attack of the enemy. Remember, Corinth is in crisis, precious. And that crisis was a crisis of love. These people were not only not sticking together, but they were consuming one another. Calvary, we've got to stick together. 
In this world that we live in, we've got to love one another, flaws and all. See, the truth is real love sticks together. No matter what the enemy tries to bring against us, we have to make up in our mind that we are first and foremost children of God. Love always wins because love never gives up. Endurance means lasting power. As I get older, I'm 55 years old. 55. 55. Some of you are 67. All y'all ain't 12. Come on, somebody. The older I get, the more concerned I am about my endurance. That's what I care about. I've learned that I've had a strong run. I'm thankful for it. Lord and I sat down yesterday and talked about the goodness of God in her life. In our life. But especially yours. <laughs> I'm just kidding. As I get older, I'm concerned about how I finish. Because the truth is, I want to have lasting power. That means I want to finish with my integrity intact. That means I want to finish never hurting my children or my wife or disappointing you as your pastor. Y'all bear with me. I got flaws. But I'm trying. See, the truth is, the last statement was so prolific because Paul said, love, agape love, Christ love, God love, never fails. And, and the truth is, the word never means not ever before, not now, or, nor any time in the future. The love of God will never fail you. The truth is that, that, that the love that is so important in America, the Eros love, that love will fail you. The love between brothers can go a wrong direction. As much as we hate to think of it, there can be a love that fails between a father and a son, a daughter and a mother. But the love of the Lord never fails. It never has before, not now, and not any time in the future. See, that love will never fail. It never fails, and agape love never falls down. It never comes up short. And one of the most important things we must do in these days is not fall down on the job that matters most, and that job is love. See, the house that love builds is a house that is committed to the lost. Calvary, number one, we experience the Spirit. But number two, we embrace the lost. I remember when Dawn and I had an opportunity that opened up before us. We were, we were in a season of ministry many years ago in Tampa. We were broke, busted, and trying not to be disgusted. Have you ever been so broke it made you mad? Oh, Y'all ain't saying nothing. Who's ever been that mad kind of broke? You just mad, I can't even go to McDonald's. I can't even get a Happy Meal, come on. 
One time, some, I, I went to preach to somebody, and they paid me. I was so broke, and I was so excited about getting to preach. I said, we're gonna, we might get an offering. They paid me in a Hardee's coupon. It was buy one, get one free. I didn't even have the money to buy one. I'm thinking, I'm going to come in there. Can you give me the free one? Come on. So this church called. We were young. I said, here it is, don't, <laughs> it's the open door, hallelujah, hallelujah, you know, you get spiritual. We go there, it's a beautiful building, gorgeous. They just built a, a family life center, we heard about you, you're preaching, da, 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 and I was very young, and uh, I said, this is it, Whew, glory to be to God, I was about to fall out in the Holy Ghost, catch myself and cover my own legs up, come on. <laughs> I said, this is it. So we're walking through, and uh, I remember talking to the deacon board because that church was deacon-possessed. Come on, y'all. You ever been? <laughs> Can I just give you a side note? If you're visiting today and you go to a church where a deacon knows more about the direction of the church than the pastor, you might be in the wrong church. That's all I'm going to say. So I said, man, I'm so excited. I saw a bus out there. We can start busing these kids in. I saw a neighborhood. We'll start loving on them and bringing them in. And I remember one of them said, we don't want them to come in here. We've got this nice church, and we've got these nice pews, and we just built that family life center. Man, you're 80 years old. You ain't going to go to use it. What, what in the world? We don't want them kids in there. They'll mess our family life center up. And, you know, I, right then and there, I said, this ain't for me. Remember that when I told you that? I was so broken because I wanted to leave so bad. Fast forward, I come to Calvary and I start pastoring this church. We're meeting in the gym. Then we get in this building here that we had to finish. We had no money and no people. The church is so empty. You could park a semi-truck. You could turn it around and you wouldn't hit anybody. That's how far people were sitting apart. So I started bringing in homeless people. 22 years ago. I went and we did sidewalk Sunday school. You don't even know it, but there's people in this church that came on our homeless bus and now they're driving in their car and serve, serving in our ministry and even on our staff. So we brought them in and I started getting letters. You know, them unsigned letters. And I'm in my 30s, young. Somebody said, don't bring them into this church. Don't you bring them in here. They're going to mess our church up. I saw a homeless person smoking out in front of the church. He was smoking. I'm thinking... I am never surprised when sinners act like sinners, but I'm very surprised when a born-again Christian sits down and writes me a letter that someone is smoking in front of the church. I know what some of y'all are saying. Do you believe smoking will send you to hell? I don't know, but it'll make you smell like you've been there. Come on, somebody. So, I remember I was so brokenhearted because my church was so empty. We went down and did sidewalk Sunday school, me and Pastor Troy. And uh, 
we had a blue tarp and Jennifer was with us. She was just out of high school, Pastor Jennifer. It's 22 years ago. We had a football and a blue tarp. We started reaching out to the kids in the project. Did you know that some of those kids come to our church today and they're teachers and they're productive and they've gotten their educations? Don't you bring those homeless folk to our church. They're messing up our bathrooms. Jim Rayleigh, we like you, but we don't want them in our church. I was so broken. I'm in my 30s. And, and so I preached this message called a title, T-I-T-L-E, or a towel. What are you seeking? And I said you might be seeking a title if you overreact to someone's failure. You might be seeking a title if you feel like you have to be a religious sheriff and judge somebody else's life and walk and praise. And I had about six or seven points. And I remember that day in my 30s. There's a group of homeless there, small group of people in our church. I went back. I had on, a, I had on my preacher suit back then. Come on. That was the suit that had the lots of buttons on it. And the more buttons you had, the more anointed you were. And I was especially anointed that day. Come on. It's the kind that had the big preacher legs. You took like three steps and then your pants moved. Come on. <laughs> I took my coat off. trying to figure out who I was going to be because that deacon in that church told me those people weren't welcome I'm trying to decide who am I going to be what kind of man am I going to be I remember I was so nervous that Sunday, because I knew what the Lord told me to do, I took my jacket off, took my tie off, and I got me a towel and I poked it in my belt. And I went and got this homeless man who was struggling with addiction, who wasn't the cleanest. And I brought him, and back then we had preacher seats, and I sat him in my seat. The best seat in the house. And I knelt down and I took off his shoes and I took off his socks and I, and I, and I put his feet in the water and I began to wash his feet and I said, forgive us. I said, forgive us if we ever acted like Jesus loved us, but he doesn't love you. Forgive us. And I started weeping because I was determining in my 30s who I was going to be in my 50s. See, some of you right now are deciding who you're going to be in the next 20 years. You're making the decision right now. I knelt down. And I, started, I was weeping. That ugly cry. You remember, Dawn? 
and, and I was washing his feet. I said, forgive us if we ever acted like this church was built for us. But it wasn't built for you. Forgive us if we ever treated you funny. Forgive us if we ever looked at you like you were less than. He starts wailing. I start wailing. And all of a sudden, there was a weep that took that whole church over. It went from one side to the other. These sweet old people, they got out in the floor and they just laid down and they began to weep and they began to cry. You say, what happened? Agape love got in the house. It changed our whole church. We had never been multicultural. Calvary had never been what it was. It changed in a moment. And let me tell you, at Calvary, we're going to embrace the lost. At Calvary, we're going to love the struggling. At Calvary, it doesn't matter what your issue is. It doesn't matter what your problem is. There's a guppy love in this room. And it's big for you. So with everybody standing, hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, we love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. Yes, we do. Thank you for your love, Jesus. You know, I want to stand up here and I want to say something. I've been here for 22 years this August. The Lord has been good to us. And I want to tell all the new people that's come, I, I want to thank you. But there's a few of you that's been with me for a long, long, long time. And I want to say thank you. If you ever helped me, thank you. If you ever believed in me, thank you. Bill and Bonnie, he was my youth pastor when I was rebellious. He was our worship leader. Thank you, Bill. Thank you and Bonnie for loving me. Thank you for believing in me. Maybe you're here today and you're struggling. We love you. Because at Calvary, not only do we experience the Spirit, we embrace the lost. So with heads bowed and eyes closed and no one looking around, nobody leave just for a moment. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, there's things in my life that ought not be there. And you've been talking about this agape love. I need that at work in my life. There's things that alienate me, separate me, keep me from the Lord. And when you pray for somebody, Pastor, really pray for me. Because I'm not where I need to be with Jesus. This is a phenomenal second service crowd. And if you're in this room right now and you'd say, Pastor, I'm not where I need to be with the Lord. And since you're praying, Pastor, pray for me. When I count to three, raise your hand. If you're not where you need to be with the Lord, I want you to raise your hand. Pray for me, Pastor. One, 
Slip your hand up. Pray for me, Pastor. Two, I'm not where I need to be. There's sin in my life. Three, slip that hand up right now. Slip that hand up. I got some things I need to get under the blood. I got some things I need to get right with Jesus. Come on, hands are still being raised. I'm going to lend you five more seconds. There's agape love in the house. Listen, listen, listen. You are loved. Even if you're struggling, you are loved today. At Calvary, we embrace the lost. Hold that hand up. If you raised it up, keep it up. Come on. Don't be ashamed. This is your day. This is your Sunday for transformation. I'm going to lend you five more seconds. Come on, five. If you need to raise it, raise it now. Four. I see hands going up all in the back. Three. Come on, hold it up right now in every section. Two. One. Zero, if you raised your hand and you really meant business, if somebody next to you is standing by you, I want that person to move back because I want you to have room to come to the front. If you really meant it and you're ready for transformation, you won't come by yourself. I want you to make a move right now. Come right now. I want to pray with you. Come on. Come on. Come on. You're moving. If somebody next to you raised their hand, move back and make it easy for them to come. Come on. This is salvation, y'all. This is a new beginning. This is a fresh start. Look at all these young people coming. Look at all these families coming. Come on. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. We worship you. If you would like to be part of what God is doing here at Calvary, you can give online at calvaryfl.com or you can use our app. We hope this message encouraged you to experience the Spirit, embrace the lost, and live the life. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you soon.